as I listened to the theme of the music that we just sang, one verse kept resonating in my mind. And if you will, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. The folks in the time of Christ were no different than those of us today. Looking for and desiring the things that are necessary in the world, but sometimes even beyond that. And so Jesus gives this word in Matthew. By the way, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. If you study that very carefully, you will find that all the teachings of Christ are condensed into those three chapters. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, these things that we're chasing after, running after, yes, are necessary for life, but even sometimes we're beyond that. All these things, he says, will be added to you. We just sang, my eyes are on you. Oh, goodness, I'm going to offend I remember you gave permission. (laughs) Is it true that as we go through life and encounter the things of life, whatever those things might be, that our eyes are really on Him? Or is it on something else? Typically, I'll be very candid. What I'm finding is typically our eyes are really on us. And I can appreciate the scripture that Paul wrote in Corinthians where he says, when you compare yourself with yourself, you think you're doing pretty good. But when our eyes are on him, as we listen this morning, I pray to this message about the chaos that exists And the fact that we're believing that in our chaos, in this world's chaos, we understand, we know that it's Christ with us. Christ, the hope of glory, we're told. But chaos of the mind. We are bombarded by information today. I appreciate what Butch said this morning as he spoke to the men. But his time on the way to work each morning, how he doesn't turn the radio on, no music, no nothing, just him and God. He said, if you're in the vehicle with me, it's boring. If you're in the vehicle with me, it's boring because I'm the same way. I don't need the radio. I don't need the, and I, I'm, that, that's not to be arrogant or prideful. It's just saying, I just need the quiet because we live in such a noisy, noisy, noisy world. Yeah. In our minds, I understand biologically, emotionally, that men and women are different. Those who've gone through some of our marriage classes in the past have listened to Mark Gunger where he says, you know, that men have a drawer for everything, but they only open one drawer at a time. Women, not so much. 
It's kind of like the electronic superhighway. It's going everywhere. So with that in mind, that we are made different by God, and God knows that. He created us, so it's not like it's a bad thing. It's just understanding how it works. The question is, where is our mind? What is our mind on? So these verses that I'm going to give this morning, I trust that they're very familiar verses to you. It is not my intent this morning to give you verses that are obscure and you say, well, where did he get that from? What book is that anyway? These you've been hearing for a very long time. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we walk in the flesh. Anybody here walk in the flesh? Anybody here got a body? That's walking in the flesh. Here we are. We have these earth suits that God created for us to live in, to inhabit while we're here on earth. When our time here is over, <clears throat> we lay this suit aside and we have a new body that he has already prepared for us. Different message, different time, but that's the truth. So we're walking through life in these physical bodies. We do not war according to the flesh. Now, see, that's interesting. He says, okay, you live in a physical body, but that, that is not where the battle is. It really isn't. The problem is we don't always seem to know that. For the weapons, he says, this is Paul writing, of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, or other translations say strongholds. So to get this, hopefully in a framework that works for all of us today as best as it can, we live in these physical bodies, but we're also aware that there is a spiritual dimension That is all around us. And the Holy Spirit of God, the third person in the Trinity, comes to dwell in us, in our spirit, in our inner man. And that's how we're able to live in this world of chaos and still keep our eyes on Christ. Because it is absolutely, completely, totally, humanly impossible to do it otherwise. It's that simple. Oh, but I go to church. Good. I read my Bible. Good. I want you to do both of those. I pray. Good. I want you to do that too. But it's when that relationship with God through Jesus Christ by the power and inworking of the Holy Spirit transforms our lives to the place that whether we're at home with the family, we're at work, or we're in commerce, it makes no difference. Because we understand that our eyes are on Him. He is the one we're seeking first. And we do know and we are made aware by Paul in this scripture that we are in a warfare. There's a battle going on. And if we don't know that and we don't deal with it properly, we'll be a casualty and not even realize why. And I'm going to say something very candid to you because I love you. We have a lot of casualties 
Because a lot of people live in ignorance of the truth of God's Word and how it applies to our lives. He goes on and says, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raises up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Worship music has an incredible opportunity for us, I think, if it's done properly. It does help us to focus our mind and our heart on Him. But that's not always what happens when there's worship music going on, is it? Because sometimes our minds are everywhere. We're thinking about all sorts of things rather than focusing on Him. Speculations and every lofty thing that raises up against the knowledge of God. Where's all this take? Where's this? Where's this taking place? It's right here in our minds. And all that's happening is against the knowledge of God. Well, guess what? You got to have the knowledge of God before it can be against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? It means that what, am I, what I'm thinking, am I truly willing and able to surrender this and submit this to my Christ? Because Paul said, I want to be like my Christ. I want to be like him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his suffering, and be conformed to his death. So that we die to ourself and we live unto him. And so we, I forgot to ask William. Uh, when William was a little bitty guy, a little bitty guy, he had this song that he sang. And she and I were trying to think of the, the uh, what do those people call, vocalists, whatever, <laughs> that sang the song. Harvest. What is it? Harvest. I still can't hear you, William. Harvest. Harvest? Okay. All right. The song was, see, this is the right song. We're walking into the enemy's camp and laying our weapons down. That's it? Did you hear what I just said? We're walking into the enemy's camp and we're laying our weapons down. In other words, we're surrendering to the enemy without even a thought or a fight. So let's see if we can unpack that a little bit, make a little more sense out of it. I'm going to refer again to the writings of Paul, this time in Ephesians chapter 6, and this time again, very familiar. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. We, any of us, all of us, have to be that only when we are in the Holy Spirit, Him working in us. I love the phrase I ran across the other week. 
And by the way, I get, I get tickled when I encounter people who think they've learned it all because I've been doing this, and maybe I'm a slow learner, but I've been doing this for a long time, and I, I heard this phrase, it, it fits so well. It says, God's grace is our pardon and our power. There you go. I like it. It's true. All done. Not because of us and how good we are, but how sufficient our God is. So be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And in doing so, we put on the full armor of God. If you have not practiced this every day that you experience life of putting on the full armor of God, let me recommend that to you as a spiritual practice. Memorize this scripture. Memorize the parts of the armor and what their purpose is. Because we are all, every one of us, all of us are in spiritual battle. If we are not armored up, we are casually. If we're not wise in how to use the weapon, which is the word of God, as we'll see in a moment... Will be casually. I'm, I'm trying to assess something as I'm sharing this with you. So let me just ask it Do you care if you're a casualty or not? Do you care that rather than God having first place in your life, something or someone else does? I can't answer that for you. I'd love to, but I can't. But when, as children of God, we're seeking God with all of our heart, loving Him with heart, mind, and soul, there is a difference in how we do life. We're those peculiar people, the Bible says. As we live these lives out. Now that doesn't mean just go be weird for the sake of being weird. For those who've heard my testimony, one of the things that hindered me from coming to know Christ was the only two guys that I knew who truly proclaimed their faith in Christ were weirdos. And I was concerned that if you accepted Christ, you became a weirdo. Now, that's true in a sense, but not in the same sense. They were just that way. Finally, be strong in the Lord, the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, the wiles of the devil, the methods of the devil. Different translation, different use of the word. What is his ultimate goal? Steal, kill, and destroy. John chapter 10. And he has methods. He has ways of going about it. But because of us in Christ and the Spirit of God living in us and working within us, we're able to see that, know that, and not become victims It doesn't say we won't be attacked. In fact, the word there for devil means one who just keeps pounding and 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 pounding until you give in. 
It's kind of like that bratty child. You may have one. I want this, 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 I want And then finally the parent gives in. Some of us are just like that with God. We're those bratty kids. And there's something we want. And we just on and on and on and on. And God, being the loving Father that He is, just ignores all that. Aren't you glad He does? Because if He just gives in to your whims and desires, you become even worse than you were to start with. But instead, if He very carefully, as He does as a loving Father, directs us first through His Word and then through circumstance, if we're not listening to His Word carefully, and also through counsel of others, He will very carefully, lovingly get us in the right place. If we listen any at all. The schemes. The wiles. And where's the attack? Primarily the mind. What does he attack in the mind? It could be our health. We get a phone call from our medical provider or a text or email, however they choose to communicate. And it's bad news. What do we do? Another area of attack, of course, we just came back from the marriage retreat, is marriage. The enemy does everything he can to make you think that your spouse is your enemy. And you start taking things personally. Now don't misunderstand me. There has to be loving communication. There's a lot more to that than just what I'm unpacking this morning. But your spouse is not, listen to me very carefully, your spouse is not, is not, did you hear me, is not your enemy. That's a lie from hell. Okay. Well, guess what? He doesn't stop there. Before long, it's your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in the local church. Why do you think church is split? Over doctrinal issues? Rarely does that ever happen. It's normally over social issues. I believe this way, you believe that way, the twain shall never meet, we'll part and go our ways. The Apostle Paul wrote to one of the churches and said, you know what, you know how I know you guys haven't grown up, you're supposed to grow up, you know, does everybody know that you're supposed to grow up? You know, we have kids, we know they're supposed to grow up. Well, guess what? Spiritually speaking, we're supposed to grow up. It's that simple. Everybody know that? Somebody nod their head, do something. Okay, thank you very much. Sheesh. Supposed to grow up. That's normal to grow up. So why haven't you grown up? 
He says, you're supposed to be on the meat, but what are you doing? You're still sucking the bottle. He says, and here's how I know. There are still fightings and divisions among you. That's it. Fussing with each other about what the heck ever. Well, I want it this way. I want it that way. The schemes, the wiles, the methods, the tactics, the tricks. The tricks of the devil. Here's, maybe this is just me. But I I really don't want the devil or any of his minions, which I don't really have his attention. He's got bigger fish to fry than me. Laughing at me because I keep falling for the same stupid trick. Oh, but, but Pastor, you don't understand. They hurt my feelings. I don't care. I do care, but I don't care. They hurt my feelings. Really? Really? How many of you have ever, ever read Galatians 2.20? Anybody here ever read that? Would somebody recite that for me, please? Okay, look it up. <laughs> What's it say? I have been crucified with Christ. All right, keep going. That's all I know. I know that's what it says. I said all of it. All right, I'm crucified with Christ. What does that mean if you're crucified with Christ? You're dead. You get it? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. Do you get that? We're still living in these earthly bodies that I mentioned as we began. But in doing so, spiritually speaking, we have died. That's why we have this beautiful picture in the baptistry of death to self-sin and Satan and life to Jesus Christ as we're raised to walk in newness of life. But we allow the enemy to have access to our mind. And by the way, let me clarify something for you because sometimes I forget everybody doesn't know this. If you're a child of God, you cannot be demon-possessed. Everybody got that? Okay. However, you can be influenced by the enemy. But you need to know this. The only ground he gets is what we give him. Because we belong to Christ. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So his schemes... We are mindful of the Spirit of God in us, reveals them to us, so we don't keep falling for the same trick and the same trap over and over and over. Another area that he attacks is finances. I want to say without exception, and I could be wrong. She will help me correct it later if I'm wrong. 
But every time that I made a trip to India, our finances were attacked. One time when I came home, it cost $12,000 to fix everything that broke while I was gone in a 10-day period. And Sheila was left here to fend, deal with all that by herself. The heating and air went out. The car broke down. We're trying to, we were trying to go through that this morning. Was it the washing machine or the dish? Or, you know, what was it that went out? But anyway, when we got done paying for everything to be fixed, it was $12,000. I saw that as an attack. Now, God bless. We were able to pay for all of it. Get it taken care of. By His grace. But when those things start happening in our finances, and by the way, a lot of times those financial things, can I be really, really honest with you? It ain't the devil who did it. We're the ones that did it. We live in a world of easy credit. Just put on your card. I did a little audio because I didn't have a way to show the video that was sent to me prior to going to the marriage retreat on finances. And this guy had created an amazing financial teaching to help people with their finances. And he wrote a book on it. According to him, the book was one page. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. It was actually an episode from Saturday Night Live that Alec Olivet sent me. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. And this family is discussing, well, well, how does that work? And he would reiterate, if you don't have the money, don't buy it. If you can't afford it, don't get it. Now, please understand, we know that not everybody can go out and spend whatever it costs to buy a house these days. And by the way, did you know, did you know that in America, the debt on automobiles has well surpassed, listen carefully, this is personal debt on automobiles in America has well surpassed over a trillion dollars. That is personal debt in America on cars. We've lost our minds. Because it's... I want it. I want it now. And guess what? I'll do my very best to pay for it later. But it doesn't always work out that way. And again, I understand there's... I'm not just hammer down. I'm saying the enemy will use finances. The reason Sheila and I shared a little bit of that at Marriage Retreat was because that's one of the areas that couples fight about the most. 70% based on statistics that we found couples fight over money what's what are we letting affect our minds and by the way just so you know that's not just people who don't have money that's people who have money too because it becomes a God that's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6 so the schemes of the enemy can be our health, can be our marriage, can be our family, can be our finances. But those thoughts, those seeds of thought get planted in our minds. We let them get planted. And then we help the enemy by watering it, 
fertilizing it, letting it grow until it is (laughs) devastating and often ends in terrible consequences just by that seed being allowed to grow. Paul goes on and says, for the struggle we have, this is where you want to get into, my mate is not my enemy, my brother and sister in Christ is not my enemy. For the struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. We're in a battle. But it's not a physical battle. It is not with my mate. It is not with my brother or sister in Christ in this church or any other church. It is against the enemy who hates us, wants to do anything and everything he can to rip our guts out. He doesn't care who does it, doesn't care how it gets done, as long as there is destruction. He's happy. But as I said, I don't want them laughing at me because I keep making the same dumb mistakes. Therefore, here we go. Take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in all the, in this evil day. And having done everything, stand firm. We're standing firm more in him. In him, because of what he has done for us and in us, that's how we are able to stand firm in him. Remember, it is not flesh and blood. It is not your mate. Pastor, you don't understand. My mate's not perfect. Guess what? Neither is their mate. Oh, you guys got that one. Impressed. It's not somebody sitting on another seat here in the building. Oh, that's the enemy's lies. And it works. He keeps doing it. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, put on the belt of truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, his righteousness, his truth. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, his peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith, his faith. He's the author, perfecter of our faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all those flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now that helmet of salvation, and by the way, what did I just describe when I described the armor? It's putting on Jesus. That's what it is. The helmet of salvation. Our minds need to be protected. Because as I said, the message will come about our health, about our relationship, about our finance, about something. The message will come. And that seed is there. And unless we have this helmet of salvation, it will take root and it will grow. And that sucker will be out of hand before you know it. And we don't have to be there. We don't have to live there. That is not the will, the way, and the work of God. It, it, it just isn't. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we learn to be very effective swordsmen. And that's not a gender issue. You, you're effective swordsman, male or female. Learning to 
with the help of the Holy Spirit to use the Word of God. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus Christ is taken into the wilderness, led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, and Satan comes and starts adding. Bam, 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 bam. If you are, if he says, yada, yada, yada. And every time Jesus responded with the word of God. And the interesting thing is the enemy responded with the word of God. He just twisted just a little bit to make it say something different than what it really said. That's why it's imperative that we know the word. That's why it's imperative that we take the time to let the Spirit of God teach us all things. That's what we're told in Gospel of John. The Holy Spirit of God will teach us all things. And then it says, and he will bring them to our remembrance. So we take the time, we expend the energy, whatever that requires of us. Yes, in this busy world. Yes, with our families going here and there and yonder. All that is all true. But unless we have the anchor of our soul, unless we have the Spirit of God working in us, taking the Word of God, applying it to our lives, we can watch all that go down the drain in a millisecond. So we get to choose. How are we going to do this? Well, look what it says. With all prayer, that's where the battle is. Why do, you, why do you think it's so hard to get somebody to, to get together for prayer? The enemy knows the value of prayer. And we're saps. But Lord, we're busy. We ain't got time for prayer. Besides, what's the point of just talking to the air? Well, if that's what you, your view of prayer is, then you have serious issues anyway. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. We can only do life in the Spirit in Christ, and we can only pray, truly pray in the Spirit. I have a video I'm going to be showing part of this coming Wednesday night by Adrian Rogers, another one of my dead guys. He just hadn't been dead that long, 2005, on prayer. And he makes this statement, and I agree with him. He says, if we are not praying in the Spirit, then we are not praying. That means we've come to this place of acknowledging the presence and work and person of the Holy Spirit in our lives to such a degree that we know we cannot talk to the Father unless He's involved in it. So we pray in the Spirit. And as we do so, we watch how that work of God... See, he goes on and says, with this view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Who are we praying for? Who are we praying for? All the saints. Anybody here know a saint? Anybody here are a saint? All right, back to Frankie's thing. Not rhetorical. Anybody here are a saint? I know that's terrible English. I are one. Are you one? So who are we praying for? Each other. You know how hard it is to truly pray for somebody and not like them? Or even better, and Butch mentioned this also in his 
message to the men this morning. Really pray for somebody and hold unforgiveness toward that person. Ain't going to happen. The love of God will... (laughs) I want to say ooze. I'm not sure that's a good word. The, The love of God will just ooze up in you. And come through you. And touch people's lives around you. Is that not amazing? You say, but I don't like them. And you know what the Holy Spirit of God says? I don't care. I love them. And so do you. But you don't understand what they said, how they offended. Love them. Well, how can I forgive? Oh, it says in Ephesians 4, as we have been forgiven. The last question seemed a little hard, so let me ask this one, maybe a little easier. Anybody in here been forgiven? Amen. We'll pray for the rest of you. You pray for one another. Somebody offends you, upsets you. That is the God, Holy Spirit of God, calling you to pray for them. Not for you to criticize and be judgmental of. He's allowing you the privilege of intercession. But what we do is we, we go over here and we talk. What what, what did they say to you? What, what, what did they do to you? Oh, yeah, nice nice reinforced. That seed has got some roots and fertilize a little bit more. Go over here. Oh, what what did they do to you? Oh. See, what should be happening collaboratively, there should be an intercession organically coming up from the hearts of those people who have been offended. Because I'm not saying offense doesn't take place. It does. It's what we do with it that makes the difference. And that's true for every other thing that comes our way. The song a while ago, it is well with my soul because my eyes are on you. Get your eyes off yourself, get your eyes off of them, and get your eyes on Him. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, before God is my witness, your life will be different. It'll be better. Because God never intended for any of us to carry unforgiveness, bitterness, or hatred. He goes on and says, and by the way, while you're praying for other folks, pray for me too. Pray that what? When I open my mouth, there'll be boldness to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And I will be that ambassador, even though I'm in chains because he was in prison. That I proclaim it, I speak boldly as I ought to speak. That's how we pray for each other. That each one would speak boldly for Christ. Not get caught up in the gossip and the slander and the judgmental, critical, critical criticism. But in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, I'm his ambassador. Whether I'm in chains or not, I represent him. I represent him here this morning. I represent him when I go home with my family. I represent him when I'm at work. I represent him when I'm in commerce. I am. Do you hear me clearly? We are his ambassadors. And we do not have to fall for the enemy's junk. We do not. 
I love this verse. The fear of the Lord is beginning wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Where does that fit in here with this message? If we don't know the truth, we're not going to be free. So let's take a moment. If you would, please. Just some quiet moments. Of allowing the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts. We're not looking down the road. We're not thinking about somebody else. It's just me and God. What is there, God? What is there that you're so desiring to be transformed in my life? To know that I'm not a casualty of war because you, God, have made me a victor. To know that I'm not a pawn in the hand of the enemy. To know, God, that you, you have made all the difference in my life. And here right now, as I leave this building, as I go back into the routines of my life, I am your ambassador. I represent you. I represent you not only in what I do, in what I say, but I represent you in what I think. And Holy Spirit, we know without your help, (laughs) that is not going to happen. So thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ.